also the, those instruments, um, Brother Lynch, and they, they would, um, you know, they play all in unison. Um, it's quite funny to watch. In fact, I got a couple of different recordings of some of the churches we were in. You'd have three of the front rows, they're all full, they're all playing the same exact instrument. And so it's all these girls, you know, and they're all sitting the same exact way. All their legs are crossed, right? They're all looking the same direction. They're all strumming the same way. Uh, it's like you might think it's all uh, um, had been practiced before, but they're just playing away. And uh, if there's one group of people I know that knows how to sing, Filipinos know how to sing, don't they? I mean, they just sing their heart out. And uh, yes, <laughs> amen, amen. And uh, that, that, was, that was just as much encouragement to me as anything else, just singing together and um, uh, some people get a little worked up when we sing too many hymns. Uh, they're just singing, singing, singing all the time. They never seem to stop. At least they didn't when we were there. And uh, it was just an encouragement to my heart just to be in the service and sing together. Um, I, you know, I, I love music. Um, I don't consider myself a singer, per se, and, or a musical person, but I do love music. And uh, I love good, godly Christian music. Amen? Music that honors God, is reverent to the Lord, and, and that pleases Him. And um, uh, the, the, these, these types of things are, yes, some of them are unique, um, but um, let it encourage your heart, amen? Maybe it even encourage you, you want to learn a new instrument. Um, I, I, you know, I, I know there's been things in the past, but what a thrill it would be someday if God would lead us to have our own orchestra of some kind. And so it's not just the piano and not just the organ playing, but that we would have several instrumentalists. Uh, I know we've got some of you guys are out there. I just haven't come and found you yet, but uh, I know you're out there. And uh, we, we definitely have the capability we could get there. And uh, mu music is, is um, such a, becoming such a lost, uh, a lost thing in churches today. Um, they're drifting away from, um, it's, it's not just about the old hymns, although while the old hymns is uh, much of where it's at, but uh, they're drifting away from, from reverence to God, even in the very music style in and of itself. And uh, so I would encourage you, you, maybe that subject in and of itself interests you, join us tonight, 6 p.m., and I'm looking forward to it. I remember the first time I was, uh, I think, a sophomore in college, the first time I really started, started to study music. And it wasn't in a class. I was just intrigued by it. And I wanted to play a little bit of the devil's advocate. I actually sat with my father, being, who's a pastor, you know, as you know, and uh, just started asking him questions. Well, Dad, why do we do this? Or why do we do this? Or why don't we do this? And trying to get his answer and see what it is. And then I took my Bible and got some books that I knew on music and just started studying through it and trying to figure out what does the Bible truly say about music? What does the Bible say about specific instruments in, in the house of God? Uh, what does the Bible say about that which is honoring to him? Uh, what is worship in and of itself? That kind of a study. And, and I know Brother Lynch is going to touch on just the tip of that tonight. And so I would encourage you, join us for that special evening as we have that time of study together. Uh, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter 13. Lord has been working in my heart on this, this, thinking on this passage of Scripture, really these passages, should I say, that we'll look together at, but we're beginning this morning in Matthew 13. Let's start in a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll look together at, at what the Word of God has for us. Our Heavenly Gracious Father, we thank you for your Word. Lord, we thank you for uh, your presence uh, around us. Lord, we thank you for the privileged opportunity to worship you. And Lord, how encouraging it is to me even today to sing together uh, with, in the house of God with fellow believers. And Lord, to sing praises to you. Lord, we, we ask that you would be given all the honor and glory. It's nothing of ourself. We, we do thank you for the special music which we've had even today and, and um, the instruments that have been played and, and all that has been done. We, we praise you for that and we give you all the credit for it. And Lord, we ask now at this time as we open your word. May we open our hearts also to you. May we remove the curtain of any uh, distractions, frustrations, discouragements, or uh, even sin in, the, in and of itself uh, that would keep us from you speaking to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, your Holy Spirit would work uh, freely, that you would convict uh, the heart that needs you, that you would um, give uh, discernment to the Christian, maybe today, who uh, it needs this message who you have, uh, who, who you've prepared for their heart. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would 
uh, be with us today and meet together with us. And we ask all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're starting in Matthew 13 and looking together in verse number 23. The word of God says, But he that received seed unto the good ground is he that heareth the word. And what are those next two words? Understandeth it. Say it with me. Understandeth it. You know, it was no coincidence, I, I don't believe, that I received a call this week and somebody was asking me about, um, you know, a scripture, a passage of scripture in the Bible that refers to uh, when does a, a small child, uh, how can we really know if, if they're going to heaven or when do we know if, when they can become a Christian? The Bible talks about that understanding, that age of understanding, and, and really, although we're not looking deep within it, there's a parallel within the books of both Matthew, Mark, and Luke. For your own interest, maybe you're taking notes. And here in the book of Matthew, we uh, see the uh, parable be get, being given of the seeds which are being distributed, and they're falling upon different ground. In verse number 19, in this case, we see that being spoken of the wayside. In verse number 20 is the stony places. In verse 22 is those that are among thorns. And in verse 23, as we read, is that which is on the good ground. And in both Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke, we see this passage being uh, brought to us by that writer, but yet bringing out a specific detail in each, um, uh, in each uh, description, in each application of the good ground definition. In Matthew, he describes it as the good ground, those who understand it. Now, let's remember the, the parallel or the, uh, should I say, the personification uh, that is being given here is that of our hearts. Our hearts receiving as good ground, it should be receiving. How is it received as an individual who understands it? In Mark chapter 4, in verse number 20, the Bible tells us of the heart that receives. You don't just understand, but you must also receive. In Luke chapter 8, verse number 15, the Bible talks about the heart that keeps it. So you don't just uh, understand it, you don't just receive it, but you keep it within your own heart. Amen? That's speaking of salvation. Praise God. Amen? And so the Word of God brings out this, uh, this uh, understanding. And this morning I want us to uh, talk about this, uh, this particular phrase. The Bible says, the good ground, he that understandeth it. Turn with me now to Romans chapter 10, and we're getting somewhere with this, just starting in a few uh, introduction, as they call it, verses. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. Romans 10 and verse 17, if you haven't marked this verse in your Bible, I most definitely would. Romans 10 verse 17, the word of God says, so then faith cometh by, what is that next word? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God tells us that how do we have faith? Faith comes from after hearing. And what is it that we are to hear? We are to hear God's word. Turn with me now to James chapter 1 and verse number 22. James chapter 1 and verse number 22. So the Bible tells us that when it comes to his word in our heart, that we are to understand it. We are to receive it. Uh, the Bible tells us that when we hear it, we are to be then having faith in God, uh, believing it. James chapter 1 and verse 22 the Bible says, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So we understand there are those who can be hearers and those that can be doers, but then there are those who are hearers and doers of the word. And the Bible brings out to us very clearly that the hearer and the doer of the word is the individual that understands it. Amen? It's the individual that understands it. I once heard it said, to, uh, what, what does it mean to be a hearer and a doer? Uh, we're speak, uh, they, they said this concerning this passage and this reference as is seen in Matthew of the wise man building his house upon a rock. They said this, to build your life on Christ means that you believe what he says is final forever. It never changes and is always true. I'll say that again. To build your life on Christ means that you believe what he says is final forever. It never changes and is always true. See, an individual that truly understands is not just a hearer, but yet he's also a doer. The individual that is not just a doer without hearing, but he's heard clearly what the Word of God says. He's not just a hearer, but he's applied it to his own life. It's been as that good ground. He's received it, he's understood it, and now he's keeping it in his own heart because he knows that when God's Word says it, it's final. Amen? That when God's word says it, it's truth. 
that when God's word said it's all that we need, and may I say Christian, or maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that God's word is all that you need. Amen? You're looking for answers in life. You don't really know uh, the what, the who's, or the how's. The Bible tells us, come to God's word. Amen? You say, I'm not really sure. Uh, I, don't really, I, I don't really know uh, that I do understand. The Bible says, be a hearer and a doer. If you hear what the word of God tells you to do, do it. That's understanding. Amen? A hearer and a doer. Turn with me now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll be parking here for the remainder of this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're coming again with this idea of hearing the word, understanding the word, doing the word. We're not just a hearer only. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse number 13, 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. The word of God says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye, underline this phrase, you're in a habit of marking your Bible, when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in, what's that next word? Truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. May I say there are many believers who come to a good, godly, Bible-believing church and praise God for our church. Amen? But there are many good Christians, good people that attend a church such as this. And yet, knowing that which is truth, they've not received the Word of God as being the truth. That is to say, they know what is right, but they've not applied it to their heart and stepped out to actually do it in obedience. That is, they've heard, maybe even since a young age, maybe they've been under conviction for weeks, maybe years in some cases, knowing what the truth is, but not applying it to their heart as though it is truth. You see, Christian, it's not simply enough to know that God's word is truth. It's not just simply enough to know the understanding individual is the doing. Amen? The understanding individual is who, when they receive it, they receive it as the Word of God says in this passage. They receive it as truth. And I say some Christians receive the Word of God. They don't receive it as truth. They say, yeah, right. Pastor's wanting me to do that. By the way, that shouldn't be your answer. It should be, God's wanting me to do that. Hey, when God speaks to you, and hopefully he is, do you respond to him? Do you truly believe that God speaks to you through his word, through the man of God, whether that be the pastor, the evangelist, the missionary? Do you believe that? The Bible tells us if we believe it, hey, are we receiving it as truth? Are we receiving it as truth? I'm not saying this morning that every one of us are, are, are not taking the word of God and receiving it entirely, but I'm saying it's very possible that you're here this morning Maybe you've even been attending this church and you've not been receiving the word of God in general as it being truth, which applies to you, which applies to your life. I wonder, what if Community Bible Church, every time the word of God was taught and preached, we so responded, out of, and, and uh, uh, having been under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we so responded to that truth. Every one of us, equally unified, we so equally responded to that truth. What a different church that we would have. Amen? May I say a truly unified church, our theme for this year, striving together for the faith of the gospel, a truly unified church is a church that receives the word of God as truth. It receives the word of God as truth. That's along any lines. Whether it's along a line of separation whether it's along the lines of marriage in your family, whether it's along the lines of, uh, of, of keeping your own individual life pure, maybe it's simply along the lines of obedience to God and baptism, joining a church, a godly Bible-believing church. Do you receive the Word of God as truth? You see, you can hear it all day and believe that, believe that it's true, but true belief in receiving it is the individual that steps forward and does it. The Bible tells us they received the word of God as truth. Let me ask you, do you? 
Maybe you're here this morning, and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That is to say, you don't know if you were to die today that you would, without any shadow of a doubt, go to heaven. The Bible tells us we, <laughs> that you can receive the God as, you can receive the Word of God as truth today. You can receive Christ today, amen? What a wonderful opportunity that you have. But Christian, let me ask you, how are you receiving the Word? I've entitled this message just that, just that, receiving the Word. How are you receiving the word? In 1 Thessalonians, we see Paul writing to those of Thessalonica, this being written during Paul's second missionary journey to Corinth, and he writes to these Christian individuals, and really speaking very highly of them, but yet also emphasizing that which they were doing right. And one of those things was how that they had received the word. They received the word as truth. And in chapter 1 and chapter 2 are very much connected because he brings out particularly that which they were doing in obedience to God. Uh, we'll look together at this passage in more detail, but I want to bring these things out to you that maybe you can mark them in your Bible. Look at verse number 3 of chapter 1. The Bible says, Remember without ceasing your work. I've underlined and circled actually in my Bible, your work, the Bible tells us. In verse number 4, the Bible says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. I've, under, I've circled those two words, your election. Verse number six, the Bible says, and ye became followers. I've circled those three words, ye became followers. And verse number eight, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. They sounded out the word of the Lord. And then yet we see another thing in verse 14 of chapter two. And the word of God says, ye also have suffered. Ye also have suffered. I've summarized these things myself into four things that will be true of someone who receives the word as it is truth. Four things that will be true of someone who receives the word as it is truth. The Bible tells us in verse number three of the individual who is serving God. Number one, that's serving God. Notice the work that is described. In fact, we see those things which characterize the, the individual who is serving God. In verse number three, the Bible says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Now, it is Paul who's remembering their work. It was an encouragement to him. It was a testimony to him. But what was their work? He describes it as those three things of faith, of love, and of hope. The first of those things is faith. This was speaking of that very day in which they became a Christian. In fact, in verse number four, he says, your election is not speaking of them as being an elect, select group of people that only could receive the Christian uh, gift of salvation. No, he, he was simply speaking of the very fact that they were chosen by God. They were uh, an elect of God. In other words, they were children of God. Amen? But as children of God, the Bible tells us they had a service to God. And how did they serve God? In their very character, they served God by faith. In fact, their very way of living was by faith. It wasn't just that they received God by faith, but their way of living was by faith. And I say we need more Christians in our world today who need to live by faith. Amen? Live by faith. We need more Christian individuals who need to learn to give by faith. Amen? We need more Christian individuals who need to learn to serve by faith. You see, faith is believing in that which you don't see. It's believing that God is in control, that God will provide, that God is the one behind it all. So does that describe you? Romans chapter 1 says we receive God by faith. We live the Christian life through faith. A life of faith to faith. Christian, are you living a life of faith? I'm t uh, you know, the Bible speaks of our, our faith being tested. And how often that, that is true. Our faith is tested. Uh, we think of a man like Abraham himself when having to slay his one and only child. I can't imagine myself as uh, taking my only child. And God telling me, hey, I want you to crucify, I want you to, to kill, more or less, your one and only child, burn him, at, burn him at the stake, more or less. It was a test of his faith. You truly believe in God that much. Hey, let me ask you, Christian, if God so called you to go to the mission field, if God so called you to be an evangelist, if God so called you to be a better missionary in Norfolk, Nebraska, would you do it? Would you so do it by faith? 
Hey, if God so laid upon your heart to give more towards missions <laughs> every month out of your own salary, would you trust God by faith to do it? If God so laid upon your heart to serve God by faith in a ministry of the house of God, whether it be in the nursery, whether it be in a Sunday school, whether it be on our bus route, whether it would be on our visitation ministry, or something new entirely, would you choose to serve God by faith, believing that he's going to give you the strength and ability to be able to do that? So many Christians, we cookie-cut our Christian life out. This is how I want to live. This is what I want to do. I don't want to do these other things with my life. I only want to live by faith by the things that I want to live by faith for, rather than simply living the entire Christian life by faith. The Bible tells us that if you are truly receiving the word of God as truth, you're going to understand that true service to God is service by faith. Number two, the Bible tells us of love. Remember without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. The love of Christ was the very expression of their life. They weren't known as a grumpy individual. <laughs> they weren't known as the pessimist, as a negatory individual. They were not known as a person that, oh, you better be careful about coming to them. They might snap at you. They were not known as the Eeyore of life, the one that said, oh, woe is me. The love of Christ was so evidently clear in their life. They were glowing with the love of Christ. When I say, Christian, each of us should be glowing with the love of Christ. Amen? As God so loved us, so we should also love others. I'm not saying you need to go around hugging every single Christian. In COVID-19 world, you may want to be careful on that. Amen? But I am saying that the love of Christ should be seen in the way in which you are serving God. And hopefully, hopefully, you're serving God every day. Amen? I don't think any of us would disagree on the fact that Service to God is a moment-by-moment, moment, every day of our life scenario. But how often do we know the truth, but we don't receive the Word of God as truth? So God tells us to live by faith. So God tells us to love others in Christ. Can we not remember the most famous verse, uh, as, as God tells us, you have not chosen me, but what? I have chosen you. God chose us first. We did wrong to him. Would we be able to choose others? And may I say, would we be able to choose others by our very way of life, just sharing the love of Christ? Is the joy of Christ so clearly seen in your life? Hey, if you're in love, I know this to be true about my, my own relationship with my wife, that the, the more we love one another, there is joy in that love. Amen? So we understand the relationship with God the same. You truly love God? You love the Lord with all your heart? You're serving God and you're doing it out of love? It's going to be so clearly seen in your life. It's going to be, in fact, it's going to be contagious. Others are going to want to have that. There's a love of Christ in your life. Notice the third thing, hope, faith, love, hope. And, and by the way, these three things are so uh, seen all throughout Scripture, seen together expressed more than one time even by Paul himself because this is so essential to the serving Christian. The serving individual has faith. The serving individual has love. And the serving individual has hope. Verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men you are among for your sakes. There's so much I could say about verse 5, but understand the Bible is describing and bringing along with that thought of the hope. In other words, he's saying, you know without any shadow of doubt that God has saved you. In fact, if you turn to 1 Thessalonians in chapter Number five, you read all about that uh, the Bible says, ye know perfectly the day of the Lord is at hand. You see, that hope is that which he's referring to in 1 Thessalonians 5, the coming of Christ. In fact, all through the very book of 1 Thessalonians, we see reference made to that coming of Christ. Where did their hope come from? They had hope in the Lord of knowing that they were saved, saved by the grace of God, that because of their salvation, they were bound for all eternity to spend with Christ. Amen? The Bible tells us they had hope. Hey, Christian, are you living the Christian life 
with hope in the Lord's return. We could say it this way. Are you living the Christian life as though Christ could return at any moment? Are you living the Christian life as though Christ could return at any moment? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse number 6, the Bible says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, and let us watch and be sober. Get serious for God! Be sober! Get serious for Him! Christian, you know what the truth is. Why are you not receiving the Word of God as truth? The Bible tells us faith, love, in hope, in their service. Notice the second thing the Bible tells us of them, that they were followers, followers specifically of God. In verse number 6 of, of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. In other words, they did not just accept uh, the, 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 uh, the message of Paul and, and his team, as we would call them. They did not just, they did not just accept it as, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's good, that's, that we need that. They imitated their very way of living. In fact, he specifies, you didn't just imitate the example that we gave to you, but also God himself. You became followers of Christ. I've illustrated this before, but when we think of a follower, it's that individual as a little boy following his, father, his father's footsteps in the snow, and he's trying to stay within those steps so he doesn't wade in them himself. A follower of Christ is following right in the steps of Jesus. Amen? Let me ask you, Christian, are you following the steps of Christ? Are you following the steps of Christ? When we talk about somebody who imitates, it's the individual who does exactly like. <laughs> exactly like. You ever do that with a child before? Caleb's not old enough to where he's doing this yet. But, uh, you know, uh, you, you start copying them or they start copying you. Right? You cross your leg, they cross your leg too. <laughs> you you uh, start folding your hands, they fold their hands too. You've got your Bible open to some passage. They've got to open it to the same exact passage you've got your Bible open to. They're imitating you. They're doing exactly what you're doing. A true follower of Christ that's receiving the word of God as truth, they're imitating Christ. But may I say again, we have so many cookie-cutting Christians. We, we make the frame as to what we want to cut out, and we, we cut it out. These are the things I want to do. I don't want to go beyond these bounds. This is how I want to live my life. A true follower of Christ simply says, hey, God's word says it, I'm going to do it. God's word tells me I need to be a witness, I'm going to be a witness. God's word tells me that I need to serve him in my church, I'm going to serve him in my church. If God wants to tell me that I need to reach my family for Christ, I'm going to reach my family for Christ. If God lays upon my heart by conviction to be a better giver, I'm going to be a better giver of my time, of my talents, and of my treasures. That's a follower of Christ. And the followers is being described even more so in, in chapter 2 because they were followers of them. And notice what the Bible tells us of them. In chapter 2, the them being Paul and his team. In verse number 2, the Bible says, For even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, I've underlined this, this phrase, we were bold. We were bold. In verse number 7, the Bible says, But we were gentle. We were gentle. In verse number 9, the Bible says, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached. We preached. Verse number 10, Ye are witnesses in God, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved. We behaved. We see the example that was given of them, that which they did, is that which, that, that which Paul did in his team, is that which they followed. And let's understand even, even more so in verse 10, or verse 2, rather, of chapter 2, the Bible says, We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel. That word bold means to speak freely. To speak freely. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Proverbs 28 and verse number 1, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And yet, how many hesitant Christians? How many hesitant Christians are all over in good, Bible-believing churches all across the world? Amen? Hesitant. Ah, I'm not really sure if I want to do that. Ah, that's not really for me. I've never done that before. Oh, no, you're not going to ask me to do that. That's not for me. Hesitant. The Bible says bold. 
the righteous are as bold as a lion. May we be bold for Christ. Amen? Amen? Bold for Christ. Hey, it's not just, yes, we must take a stand for that which is right, but bold in our service for God. You see, the imitator, the follower of Christ, is bold in doing that which they know to be true. They're not just a hearer, but they are a doer. They've received the word of God as truth. It's what I need. It's what God tells me I must do. This is that which I live by. The Bible says the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon what? The sand. So if you are a wise man, you are building your life upon Christ. You are a hearer and a doer of the word. That's the very, that's the very story that Christ is giving in Scripture. Are you, would you be the definition of a wise man or woman? Or are you hesitant? Are you bold for Christ? Or do you need to stop for a minute? Now, look, I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't pray. I'm, not, I'm one I've, that in ministry I've learned uh, from my pastor in Texas not to make decisions super fast. Yes, there's a lot of things that I want to do, but I need, I need to take the time to pray about it, think about it, just, just make sure that it's the right thing. Now, sometimes I trip myself up and I, and I jump at it too fast. Not saying we shouldn't pray about things. But when we know that something is right and that we, we, that we have been commanded to do it, why are you hesitating? Christian, why are you hesitating? I tell you, one area we can most definitely all do better at, and this is not just Community Bible Church, but every church at all across the world. Notice what the Bible says in verse 2. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel. That which they imitated was to be bold with the gospel. Amen? Christians, are we bold with the gospel? The hesitant individual is the individual that says, I'm only wanting to give the gospel to the type of people that I want to or as it fits into my life. That God would so lay upon our hearts, that God would so convict us to be faithful witnesses for Christ. To go out if it means going door to door. If it means standing outside of a, of a uh, with permission, standing outside of a store or a restaurant and handing out gospel tracts. If it means posting more on our social media rather than about the negative or that which we're eating that afternoon and posting about the gospel of Christ. Amen? You know, I, I'm, praise God, I'm not a Mormon, but I, I tell you, one thing you can be said about Mormons, they're bold. How many of you ever had a Mormon at your door? No one? I know they're out there, okay? You even look on social media, they're posting all kinds of stuff everywhere. Should we not be so bold for Christ? Has God not called, called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Has God not told us that we are to be witnesses of these things? And yet we hesitate. And yet we, we, we find ourselves comfortable doing our own way of life. Can we not make time for Christ in our time, in our talent, in our treasure? Boldness. Number two, gentleness. Verse 7, the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 7, we were gentle among you. Notice how he describes it. Even as a nurse cherisheth her children. As a mother caring for her child. Making sure it's appropriately fed. Making sure he or she is taken care of. Doesn't have dirty diapers. Right? Has, has clean, clean clothes on. I'm, I'm through that stage in my life right now. Okay? So I'm seeing it happen. Right? And I do help some. I try to anyway. Uh, my wife always tells me, honey, you didn't put the diaper on right. I said, it's on there, honey. It's on there. But um, anyway, gentleness, gentleness. As, as a mother, we would not think to be one who's, you know, uh, holding that child by its ankles. All right, do what you're told, right? Stop crying. <laughs> Gentle, with great care, with great care. The Bible tells us, as a Christian, if we're an imitator of Christ, we're going to be one of gentleness. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Let us do good unto all men. You know that all men speaking of both the believing and the unbelieving. You know that, that all men is speaking of both the sinner who needs Christ and the Christian who sinned and needs forgiveness. Think about that. 
The Bible tells us, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. I wonder how many opportunities have been missed by Christians. How many opportunities have you missed? Where God has given you the opportunity to share in gentleness to do good unto others. God gives us opportunity. It was just, I want to say last week, there was a man just after our service, um, uh, in the Sunday morning service, and he was walking by, he was coming from the hy over here around the corner, and he was carrying a bunch of groceries. And uh, as he was walking, his bag busted open. And uh, he was dropping stuff all up alongside of the street, and so he was trying to pick them up. And, and uh, he had gotten it. I was talking, and I didn't quite get, it, get to get over there. And he was right about, just about at the parsonage or so when another bag busted, and he was trying to jumble all this together. And, and um, Brother Turin and I were just wrapping up, bus route and that sort of thing. He was pulling out, and there was a, a jug of juice that he had forgotten. It was sitting right in front of the driveway. And uh, so uh, he went out and picked it up, and he gave it to me, and I went, jumped in my car and drove it over to him. And you know what God gave me? He gave me an opportunity. He gave me an opportunity. How many, how many times do we get in such a rush in life? We cannot be gentle. <laughs> be gentle. Calm down. <laughs> There's this boy in the youth group. I can remember uh, his parents used to say all the time, uh, he's just not gentle with anything. You ask him to move a piece of furniture, he can't set it down gently. Boom! You know, he's just slamming something down. The Bible tells us as a Christian, we're, we're, our very spirit is that of gentleness. Of gentleness. Galatians 6 and verse 10, the Bible describes and continues, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Especially. So the very people who you should be giving even more gentleness towards the people who are sitting around you right now. We all know this to be true. There's always that person in the church that we say they drive me crazy. Don't, don't act like you're the only person here, okay? I mean, there, there are people here, you've got a different personality. It just clashes. It doesn't mix. It, you, you just... You, you don't like what they say. It bothers you when they say it. They look, even looking at you, it bothers you. You know, I mean, it just, it drives you. I'm exaggerating a little bit. The Bible says, especially unto those who have the household of faith. So many churches, they may not be a church split, as in they've left their church. But how many churches exist all across the world with good, godly, Bible-believing people but yet have not received the word of God as truth, and so they've separated and divided themselves. The reason why I sit here is because I don't want to sit over there by so-and-so. They smell funny. I've literally known people not sit somewhere just because of their smell. <laughs> it's out there. It happens. Some people don't know how to shower. I, I, don't, I don't want to. I, they, they bother me. Let me ask you, Christian, are you a person of gentleness? We talked about that very glowing of love. Does that describe you? You're a person of love. How easy it is to speak critically of others. Yes, people make mistakes. Yes, maybe everyone saw it, and you saw it maybe even better than everyone else did, and, and you saw how they're, they're clearly at fault, or there's clearly something wrong. But a person of gentleness is a person of care. I'm going to be careful not to even speak ill of that person. Even if I know, even if I know or think that I know, or even if the source that I heard it from is always right. I mean, they know everything. <laughs> but what I am going to do is receive the word of God as the only truth. And when God talks about not being a gossiper, I'm not going to gossip. When God talks about being a person of love, I'm going to be a person of love. And in fact, in fact instead of speaking negatively, I'm going to speak of love towards them. You know what? Well, they're growing. That's always, good. That's always a good way to state it. No, well, they're, they're, they're growing. They're working on it. I'm working on a lot of things, okay? Maybe you said that about me. That's okay. I know I'm growing. I, I, need, I need a lot of work, okay? I need a lot of work. I was thinking, brother, uh, with, with these glasses, we were joking about getting a BB gun and shooting them, and uh, we could maybe stick the pastor's head back there, too, and, and you guys could see if you could hit the pastor, too. And uh, No, I'm just kidding. But, um, uh, you know, we all have areas of need growing. Truth of the matter is, some of us do need something thrown at us every now and again. <laughs> the Bible says, person of gentleness, especially 
especially those of the household of faith. I want to come back a moment for, to those, maybe it's that individual who you say, yes, I know they're a believer, I know they're a Christian, but they wronged me or they hurt me. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. A person of gentleness is a person of forgiveness. A person of gentleness is a person of Christ's love. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. In Galatians 6 and verse number 1, listen to these verses. The Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, maybe you know the next word, what is it? Restore such an one. Restore such an one. Galatians 6 verse 1. If a man be overtaken in a fault, man, he fell into sin, he should have known better. Man, she committed that sin, she should have known better. Oh my goodness, she, I can't even look at her anymore. I can't even look at him anymore. The Bible says, ye which are spiritual, that's you and I. That is not saying you're more spiritual. It's saying you which are imitating Christ, and hopefully you are, you which are following God, the Bible just says, restore such a one. Forgive them, believe in them, exhort them, love them, be gentle with them, and serve God together. Verse 2, the Bible says, by no coincidence of Galatians 6, bear ye one another's burdens. Oftentimes we we quote that verse, but we skip verse 1. But the burdens that are being spoken of, especially, are of those who are of the household of faith, and the Bible tells us have been overtaken in a fault. We all know people, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a son, a daughter, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a, a, a friend of a friend. We all know people that have fallen into faults. The Word of God says, restore such a one, a person of gentleness, followers of God. Never do we see God as being a hesitant individual. Never do we see Jesus as being one who is not gentle. And we see the third thing in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 9, preaching, preaching. It says, for you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto you, we preach unto you the gospel. To what extent are you laboring and witnessing for God? The Bible says night and day they labored. Night and day, blood, sweat, and tears. You know what that means? Is the individual who's a witness for Christ, who's preaching the word, as we read a moment ago, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Yes, that means you and I. It's going to take work. It is going to take work to fit it into your 40-hour-a-week schedule, 40-hour-plus in some cases. It is going to take work. The Bible tells us, laboring night and day we preached. Is, is that you, Christian? Notice what it says also of them behaving, their behavior. Verse 10, we are, you are witnesses in God also how holy and justly and unblamedly we behaved ourselves. That's a mouthful. Holily and justly and unblamedly, we behaved ourselves. Their very behavior, their very behavior. It was mentioned this, this morning in Sunday school, at least the class that I was in, speaking of our testimony. Our testimony. Your testimony is your behavior, how you're choosing to behave, and how others see how you're behaving. What is your testimony to others? Can they clearly see that Christ is working in your life? The Bible says they were wholly, justly, unblamedly behaving. Why is he saying these things? He's not bragging on them. He's saying what he just mentioned a moment ago in verse 6. You were followers of us. Chapter 2, he says, these are the things that we were doing. These are the things that they were following. There was a unity together. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a younger Christian in Christ, and, and, or maybe you're just growing in Christ and you feel like there's a lot of things that you don't know. Be a follower of that which is truth, God himself, his word. Amen? Receive the word of God as truth. Let me give you the final and last thing here together. We've looked at these, uh, these 
things thus far, the Bible says, serving God, followers of God. In verse 7 and 8, we see the messengers of God were sounding the word of the Lord. And then we see in verse 14, for ye, brethren, chapter 2, verse 14, for ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. You know the context here, it's speaking, referring to the Gentiles, the Gentile unbelievers, they persecuted the believing Thessalonians. And so what we see of these Thessalonians is they suffered for Christ. In chapter 1, verse 6, he describes it as being much affliction, which they went through. In chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, the Bible says, For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen. You've gone through much persecution. Can I remind you, Christian, persecution is one of God's ways of testing our faith. Persecution is one of God's ways of testing our faith. Why is it that many Christians don't stand for what is right? Why is it that many Christians don't separate from the world and uh, separate unto God? Why is it that many Christians uh, have a hard time having good, godly Christian music, good, godly Christian principles for living in the way that they dress, good, godly Christian language in that which they say, good, godly Christian places in the places that they go? It's because, we've, as we came back to that word hesitant, but it's because they're afraid, they're afraid of what others may think. They're trying to become like everyone else. It's not maybe in some cases it's a hesitation, but in most cases, in most cases, I'm doing what everyone else is doing rather than simply imitating God. You can expect, you can expect persecution when you choose to live for God. You can expect some pushback. You can expect somebody to laugh at you. You can expect somebody to make fun of you. It wasn't that I was holding a banner of, you know, the gospel clearly on or anything, but we just had our Easter egg hunt, many of you know, and uh, I went out to put it out when we got the, the banner. I got some stakes, and I put it out by the road, and I'm standing right out by the curb, and um, I don't know what, what the fella said because it all happened so fast, but he clearly knew that I was there and clearly saw that I was putting up a banner. It's this big truck. He's pulling a trailer, not a semi, but this big truck, and, and uh, he, he literally veered cl as close to me, about hit me on the, at the end of that curb, his trailer even hit the curb itself, popped itself up when it hit the curb, and he yelled something out at me. I don't know what he said, uh, but I know it wasn't very nice. You know, it wasn't any coincidence that I went out to adjust it, this being just within a couple days. Went out to adjust it and pulled the banner up. The wind had caught it up a little bit. And the same exact thing happened, except this time they didn't try to hit me. They just yelled something out to me. And I was reminded, some of you saying, wow, Norfolk's a terrible place. That's not what I was reminded I was reminded that in the Christian life, there are going to be people that discourage you. There are going to be people that say things that are going to hurt. There are going to be things that happen in the Christian life, and you're going to feel absolutely miserable. And you say, wow, I'm just trying to live for God. The Bible says we can expect persecution. In fact, that's why Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 10 and 11, it says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Don't think that you're being persecuted just because yeah, you were putting up trim and you got a little splinter in, under your nail and you, ah, persecution! The Bible says for righteousness' sake. You're out serving God faithfully out of love. You've received the word of God as truth and now you're living it by love through your life. And now there's been some pushback. Persecution. You know, sometimes the persecution isn't always from the unbeliever. Sometimes it's from the believers themselves. Amen? Sometimes even the very people that you expect to love you back are the very people who are hurting you the most. The Bible says, those blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. In fact, it continues, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Blessed are you. In other words, you can expect the blessing of God. You can expect the blessing of God when you don't take it out on God just because you got yelled at. 
And by the way, can I remind you, you think that that's some form of persecution for somebody to yell at you or somebody to say something to you that hurt. Think about that which Christ went through. Amen? Christ has done so much for us that Christ would, would bear our sins on his back, would take the punishment upon himself, and not just persecution, but death. And not just death, but a crucifixion for you and I. And yet we get upset just because somebody yelled at us. Look, I'm in this boat too. How many times do I, do I find myself discouraged and yet God reminds us in his word, blessed are they which are persecuted. Philippians 3 verse 10, that I may know him and the fellowship of his, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Here's what that means. I desire to fellowship. As God also suffered, I desire to suffer also. Because that to whom I am doing it for is for God in heaven, Jehovah himself, the creator of the world, the one who sent his only begotten son in this world to die for me. That's who I'm doing it for. Amen? That I may know him. I finished with this verse, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Yea, in all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We've talked about these four things as we think upon this very understanding of receiving the word. You're not just a hearer, but you're a doer. Truly receiving is receiving it as it is truth. And the individual who receives the word of God as truth is serving God. You're serving God by faith, by love, with hope. The Bible tells us the individual who is uh, receiving the word as truth is also following God. They're imitating Christ. They're also a messenger of God. They're sounding out the word of God. And the individual who's receiving the word as truth is suffering. Suffering for God. But it's not a suffering as a wallow in misery. It's a suffering as a privilege. That I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder if God has spoken to your heart this morning. We're opening this invitation up today.